Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Oh, I I don't know how to respond to that. Ayo. Ayo. Yeah, thanks. That thanks was the for remix, throwing me baby. off there. What's up, Ball Blasters? I'm your host, Kate. And I'm Michelle. And you're listening to the Ball Blast Podcast, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Network. What's up, Michelle? How's week three feeling for you so far? Oh, I'm looking at the schedule, and I'm just really not excited for these games. I mean, A, we get to watch Mason Rudolph, which... Yeah, I'm excited to see how he does. But Interesting. I wish we had been. And then you, you go through and we got this awesome Thursday night game. It's going to be a shootout with Tennessee and Jacksonville. Oh, man, that is that is the game of the year. Woo! And then we got some Miami-Dallas. That should be a close one. We have Atlanta at Indy because watching Brissette is always fun. Um Oakland at Minnesota, like so much fun. So and then many good games. Monday night, I just can't wait. Chicago at Washington. Yikes. Wow. What yeah. a good lineup we Way have to, to go, look Roger. For. Good one. And then one game I would be super pumped for, Carolina at Arizona, and now we have a Cam Newton injury. The quarterbacks are dropping like flies. What is in the water? And that's what ruins games. I mean... That's why they have so many rules in place to protect the quarterback. Because clearly, when the it's quarterback, working very well. Yeah, yeah. We we haven't had the best stroke of luck in the last week. You know, Sam Darnold coming down with the kissing disease, and then we got Big Ben, we got Drew Brees. There, they really are dropping like flies. Another quarterback dropping like a fly. Should we get into the news? Let's do it. Breaking news. Breaking news. It has finally happened, Michelle. What? Eli Manning has officially, officially taken his rightful ownership of the backup quarter position for the New York Giants. It is the end of an era. I was just going to say that. You stole my line. It's the end of an era. It's the end of an era. (laughs) An era is defined as a significant period of time. If it was significant to the Giants fans, maybe it wasn't significant to us. <laughs> I I don't know what to like what to feel about this. I actually feel like I'm kind of excited to see Daniel Jones. I feel like I'm a Giants fan rebirthed. Just kidding. I'm not a Giants fan. But think about the fact that they drafted this guy with the sixth overall pick. We thought he was drafted way too early. He had an outstanding preseason. Like looked really good. This is going to make the Giants watchable, I think. We're all going to be interested in seeing how Daniel Jones does. And whether he throws five interceptions or he does well, either one are going to be equally entertaining. So at least it gives us something to watch. On the other side of the ball this week is Jameis Winston. Is he going to go off or throw five interceptions? We don't know. This game could be hilariously bad. Or it could be... Great. Interestingly yeah. good. Yeah, we really don't know what to expect out of this game. But I I do uh, I, I feel bad for Eli Manning. I think that the writing's been on the wall for a really long time for him. 
I mean, he was benched back, what, in 2017 with uh, his coach, Ben McAdoo, and then was subsequently fired. They ended his his nice long streak of career starts. Apparently, he went right back into the quarterback's room after he got the news to help young Daniel Jones. He's a good guy, and I, I just think he should have... Stepped down sooner? Probably. Now he has a 50-50, you know, win-loss career record. If you Exactly 50-50. I know. If you stopped one game ago, you would have had a winning record. I, I totally get not... I mean... If you cut playing, you're going to have a losing record. And with this long of a career, he has had a good career. He was good for many years. Won two, two Super, Super Bowls. Bowls. You Not don't want to have a losing record to your name. So this might be the best thing for Eli to to call it quits now. But if Daniel Jones gets hurt ever, Eli, you're about to have a losing record. That would suck. Oh, yikes. But, hey, lots of young young talent. We've got Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley. Now Daniel Jones. It, it, they might be watchable at some point in the future. I'm excited to see how he works with Evan Ingram. Does he target him? That's the nerve-wracking thing right now because Eli Manning was targeting Evan Ingram. A lot. A lot. Whenever OBJ's out, he was targeting Evan, Evan Ingram. That was his man. Let's see whose man is Daniel Jones. He could prefer the wide receiver position and so the tight end. What happens with Barkley? Does he still target him? A lot, like Eli Manning did. Yeah, lots of question marks here. Drew Brees had hand surgery today, expected to be out six to eight weeks. Avoided the IR, so that's encouraging that they do think he could come back. But it's his throwing hand, so you have to be ready for the fact that he might not be ready at the six to eight week mark. Like, he said he could barely grip a football. If you get to eight weeks and the Saints are, they have a really hard schedule. If they're you know, two and five, two and six. Do they even bring him back? I mean, I guess at that point you still do have a chance. So, yeah, I think Drew Brees does come back this year. I don't think there'll be a point where they can possibly lose enough for him to not want to. He's a a true competitor. He will want to be back. So I do think he comes back and he plays. We'll see how well he can play, though. I mean, if you can't can't do much with your thumb, then you're going to have some issues. Yeah. Um, Cam Newton spotted in a walking boot today. He's missed practice. After Coach Ron Rivera came out, very like staunchingly said it was weird. He has no no problem with the foot. We then hear that Cam Newton aggravated his foot sprain that he suffered. Uh, I think it was week three of the preseason. Uh, looks like Kyle Allen will be getting the start this weekend. A lot of question marks there too. What it might we'll... be better for the team right now. Uh, obviously, you want Cam. Should there. It be much worse. Obviously, you want Cam there, but Cam wasn't doing anything. Cam isn't Cam right now. Exactly. You want a healthy Cam there, and that will be better. But right now, a hurt Cam Newton, I don't think, is much better than a Kyle Allen. We saw Kyle Allen last year in his one start, put up some numbers. He put up 238 yards, sorry, 228 yards and two touchdowns, zero interceptions. That was week 17. Uh, You know, the Saints were kind of lying down for yeah. the playoffs. But still, it'll be fun to see how he plays, what he does. And he, he targeted Samuel. He targeted DJ Moore. He targeted Ian Thomas. So I, I think, oh, and CMC. Of course. Yeah, so I think they'll all be fine. Yeah. Um, David Njoku suffered a broken wrist very quietly. He uh, had an injury in the Monday night football game. Looked to be a concussion. He fell very awkwardly on his neck. Looked awful. 
I like I thought this was going to be a serious neck injury. And then we hear, no, it's actually broken wrist. So he's going to miss some time. The Browns don't have a lot of depth at tight ends. So do we see an increase in target share for Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry? What does this mean for the for the offense? Because they've made comments that they want Baker Mayfield to get the ball out quicker. Right. Does this mean maybe we're going to see a little bit more Jarvis? Yeah, I think we will see a little bit more Landry. He's still going to be hard to count on to be consistent, especially in anything but full PPR. Maybe, I I mean, they have Demetrius Harris they could use, then they just pick up Ricky Seals-Jones. He could be something. Not not anything I would want to play in fantasy, but there's other tight end targets that they can pass to. Antonio Callaway comes back in a couple games. I'm still not pumped about Jarvis Landry, but this this helps, and I think it does help Nick Chubb to get a few more targets. Yeah. Um, some other guys on injury watch, we've got Josh Jacobs. He was limited in practice with a groin injury. Was previously listed with a hip injury, so I'm not sure if these two are related or maybe it was mislabeled. Very weird. Um, Dallas Goddard did not practice with a calf injury. The entire... Kansas City backfield is injured. We've got LaShawn McCoy with an ankle injury, did not practice. Damian Williams did not practice. Yeah, McCoy said he was going to try to practice today, but something must have happened where he just didn't feel good enough to go. Damian Williams right off the bat was not going to practice. I felt like they were very encouraged after the game that Damian Williams was fine. Like they just said, he's fine. We're not worried about it. We'll have to see how Thursday goes. You want to see at least a limited practice on Thursday. Yeah, I I mean it's they're going up against the Ravens defense, so I would tend That's to That's the thing. I'd be so pumped for Darwin Thompson right now. I'd be grabbing him, holding him, hoping I can start him, but it's against the Baltimore Ravens. Like I don't want to start any of these guys. I don't even want to start Damian Williams against the Ravens. Given up 28 rushing yards on 18 attempts through 2 weeks. Yeah, and both of these both of these injuries seem like they'll be fine the following week. So buying Darwin Thompson right now, I don't think it's a bad idea if you have a bench spot. You just might not ever get to use him because if I'm not playing Darwin Thompson against the Ravens and then next week, I think both running backs are fine. Yeah, I uh, saw a report today. Marlon Mack mispracticed. There was there was a report that said he was in a walking boot. Apparently, the report was actually (laughs) wrong. He was just carrying one, which I don't know what that means. Um, But uh, he's being reported with a calf injury. So keep your eye on that. Uh, rookie running back of the Buffalo Bills, Devin Singletary, not practicing with a hamstring injury, considered day-to-day. So keep an eye on that. You might see a volume play for Frank Gore. Yeah, it's not like Devin Singletary has seen too many carries. He only has 10 throughout two two games. Every time he touches the ball, it seems like he goes off for a big run. He has five runs over 15 yards. And he only has 10 carries. So half of his runs, half the time he gets a carry, he goes for more than 15 yards, which is just insane. Like, get him the ball more, maybe. Like, let's see what he can do. Obviously, now he's hurt. I don't think it's the worst idea to to let him rest up for this week. I, the worst thing would be he plays, you have to decide to play him or not. He'll probably get limited snaps, limited carries because of the injury and then you know, he kind of ruins all the value for Frank Gore too, which he already has such little value that you really don't want that ruined. Yeah. Other annoying news. Matt LaFleur wants to even up the touches between Aaron Jones and Jamal Char- or Jamal, Jamal Charles. Ja- yeah. He wants to, he wants to get Jamal. I Charles wouldn't be surprised. Ball. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he brought him in. And he was like, you know what? 
Jamal Charles deserves it over Aaron Jones. Let's even up these touches here. Aaron Jones must have the worst personality in the world. And Jamal Jamal Charles, Jamal (laughs) Williams must be the most loving dude in life. Yeah, I, there's something Jamal attracting Williams. these coaches to Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is the gym of the office, and clearly Aaron Jones is the Dwight. Like, Dwight's clearly the better salesman, clearly. Oh, but I love this. everyone loves Jim so much more, and Jim gets all the recognition, and Jim gets the manager job. Yeah. But, you know, Dwight's better. Dwight Nobody is cares better. about salesman him. Salesman of the year. They want him away. Like, they just want him away. That's Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is Dwight, apparently. Yeah, like let her make phone sales. But I'm sorry, Aaron Jones. I personally love you, but I guess I don't know your guys' personalities. And yours is clearly terrible, so maybe be a better person. Yeah. <laughs> he looked so good, so good in week two. He really started to get the ball rolling. He saw the carry count, was utilized in the passing game. And still Matt LaFleur comes out to say he wants to get Jamal Williams involved. I don't, I don't understand it. I feel like it's a very clear-cut choice one looks better than the other listen aaron jones had 23 carries 23 carries that's way more than he had in any single game last year so and apparently matt lafleur thinks it was too many (laughs) i'm just gonna keep going on with aaron jones and hopes he keeps seeing those we saw him last season with 17 carries 16 carries killing it killing it when he got that so he doesn't need 23 carries to be great it's just nice to have it but matt lafleur please just stop Yeah, I don't like that one. Um, Jeff Wilson, there was a report that it looks like he uh, is being hinted at as the goal line back to further confuse the entire 49ers situation. All of them looked absolutely incredible. Every time one of them touched the ball, it went for like 12 yards. Yeah. They looked absolutely fantastic on the ground. Which is worrisome because we love... I mean, they all had a great game, right? Brenda had such a good game. Brenda just didn't get the goal line. Brenda, Matt Breda, uh, 12 carries, 121 yards. We told so many people to play Brenda. And he seemed like he had a... Yeah, he seemed like he had a disappointing game. 121 yards on the ground. Doesn't get you too many points, but it does give you that solid 12 points. He didn't have any receptions. Oh, sorry. He did have one reception. It, it seemed like Mostert was getting all the targets. Jeffrey Wilson stole the touchdowns. It's going to be a confusing, yeah. confusing situation. I, I'm still starting these guys moving forward. I would Bre- still start Breda. Breda's still the Brenda. kind of guy that can break off a run and take it to the house and just make it happen on his own. He didn't here, but hey, I'm still I'm still in on Matt Breda. He looked fantastic and. The Kyle Shanahan system is a good system. Should we get into our scrumptious starts? Scrumptious starts of the week. So meaty. What's not to like? Custard, good. Jam, good. Meat, good. It is delicious. It's good for me. It's a perfect way to start the day. Michelle, tell me what's the most perfect way to start up your fantasy lineup with your quarterback position. I'm going with Kyler Murray. Bold move. He hasn't been the easiest person to start. People have been people have been nervous. We if saw you drafted him, him as the QB seven. You're probably sweating. Yeah, you probably don't love it. Week one, he really had you sweating. He ended up having a fine week, uh, but it wasn't until the fourth quarter in overtime. So then that made you really nervous to play him in week two in Baltimore. 
And he did fine. He did fine. He didn't do anything crazy, but he threw for over 300 yards and had 16.4 points against Baltimore in Baltimore. That's you, a tough matchup. You can't hate on that. That's his first away game in the NFL. He goes back home against Carolina, who's not nearly as hard of a defense as Baltimore. And I think he does well there. They're, they run the most plays in the league. They run so fast. They have Kyle Allen now going against them instead of Cam Newton. And if it was a healthy Cam Newton, then we'd be a little bit more nervous. But I expect them to have the ball a lot. I don't expect Kyle Allen to be able to, you know. Sustain drives. Yeah, sustain long drives. Yeah. I, I think Murray can put together a game. And what we need to see from him is some rushing. He only has six rushing attempts through two weeks, 17 yards. We expected Kyler Murray to come into the NFL and get you those safe points on the ground. Right now he's actually getting you safe points through the air. So if he can start running the ball at all, he's going to be dominant. I'm starting to buy into Kyler Murray now. He got dropped in a lot of leagues. I picked him up, and I like his schedule moving forward. So let's see what Kyler Murray can do. I'm excited. He does. I'm still, I think, shaken after the week one performance. So this is what makes me nervous about Kyler Murray. So we saw him in week one. They just could not get absolutely anything moving. It it doesn't matter. Like, the offense just wouldn't go. Um, They got all of those yards in the fourth quarter. It was garbage time. Ended up coming back to put together a game, but it was like the the Lions were playing prevent defense, and it kicked them in the booty. The second game, they couldn't get the run game going. David Johnson went out, so, yeah, they're going to lean on Kyler Murray more. Do they continue to do that in this matchup, or, like, what if they do get the ground game going? I don't think they will against Carolina. Okay, that's fair. My scrumptious quarterback of the week, I'm going with Matty Stafford. Love it. That was going to be mine until you put his name in first into our docs. Yeah, I did. (laughs) I snuck right in there. I stole the guy, Matthew Stafford. So he came out week one, threw for 385 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Eagles are giving up an average of 350 passing yards per game in the last two games. It's in Philly, so... We'll see how he travels there. But Matthew Stafford's last two games, he's thrown for eight touchdowns against the Eagles, zero interceptions. Um, Last two matchups were in 2015, 2016, so the teams were a little bit different at that point. But you got to love that completion percentage of of 74% while he was there. Um, Threw for nearly 500 yards in those two, two contests. I really... Really like the matchup. I'm in on Matthew Stafford. He he had a great week one. It regressed a little bit. Was still didn't kill you last week, and he's pretty much available in all waivers. Yeah, I saw him clear a lot of leagues. The Eagles are really good against the run game, the passing game so far this year, and they struggled last year too. But this year, Case Keenum almost put 400 yards up on them and three touchdowns. If Case Keenum can do that. I believe in Matt Stafford. Yeah, I think he can get it done. The wide receiver core looks healthy. I'm glad to see Marvin Jones back in the lineup. I think it's really helping out Kenny Galladay. Michelle, who's your wide receiver scrumptious start of the week? Well, this actually goes perfect with your quarterback. My scrumptious wide receiver is Kenny Galladay. He's looking so much better, so much better this season. He is, and he's getting touchdowns, which he was not last year. I think he had a total of six last year, if I'm correct, and he already has two. 
which is fantastic. That's like on a 16 touchdown pace. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's see if that happens. But like I just said, uh, Philly's run defense is really good. Like they've been stopping the run. Their pass defense is really bad. Really, really bad. Uh, Terry McLaurin, McLaurin, my guy for the Washington Redskins, his first game ever in the NFL had 125 yards and a touchdown on that Philly defense. Vernon Davis and Trey Quinn in that same game also both scored receiving touchdowns. And then you go to week two, Julio and Ridley both had over 100 yards, and they combined for three touchdowns against that Philadelphia Eagles defense. They're just allowing touchdowns like crazy to the receivers on the opposing teams. Gotta love that. Like I just said, Kenny Galladay already has two touchdowns on the season, one in both games. He has six targets in the red zone, which is fourth most in the league. 19, I like that. Yeah, 19 That's total targets. baby. 19 total targets through two weeks. I really can't imagine him not getting a touchdown in this game against this defense. And the yards can be there as well. So I'm very excited to start Kenny Galladay this week. All right, I'm going to... Piggyback off your your bad matchup here. I'm going with one of the uh, one of the biggest spreads for week two. I'm going with Amari Cooper versus the Miami Dolphins. Come on, woo! I know, I know. It's Amari Cooper. I've been on the Amari Cooper train. I think that you know. I I think he just showed us too much last season. With the Dallas Cowboys, he's shown a really good rapport with Dak so far, while Dak has just absolutely been on fire. Dak's leading the league in um, adjusted completion percentage, so that accounts for wide receiver drops, um, accounts for you know those throwaway passes. I really like Amari Cooper. He's uh, racked up so far in this season, uh, 14 targets, so... Reeled in 10 of those, has two touchdowns. Again, that's a 16-touchdown 16, uh, 16 pace <laughs> over the season, Michelle. I don't know if you're uh, you're handy with the math there, but this this matchup, it should be a, a really easy, easy matchup for Amari Cooper, especially when his quarterback has been playing as well as he does. And Michael Gallup is out of the lineup, so... He's been averaging 95 air yards per game. That's a lot of air yards available to soak up for Amari Cooper. I think he has a good game. Are you nervous at all that their run game just dominates where they don't need to pass? So like Zeke just completely dominates the Dolphins on the ground and then they're not passing as much. I think Zeke dominating on the ground just opens things up for the the run pass option, opens up the... Uh, secondary a little bit because Zeke's one of those guys you have to watch him he can break off a run if Zeke gets going I think that only helps Amari Cooper and gets him available for a long bomb down the field this should be a super fun game to watch not (laughs) not I will have fun watching Amari Cooper rack up of, all those points. Of course, Zeke is going against me in pretty much every league. Like, I looked at all my matchups. How does that happen? I don't know. I don't know. It's just not fair. I should just quit in all of them for this week and just lay down because he's getting 50 points. He's getting 50 points. <sighs> yeah, I can't really see an outcome where that doesn't happen. Tom Brady did just have 25 passing attempts last week, but I think that Dak can get just as much done with 28 pass attempts as Tom Brady did. He threw for 264 and two. I think it's a fine game. Give Amari half of those and we'll be good. Michelle, tell me about your yummy, scrumptious running back for this week. So it's Chris Carson. 
Now we've we, been playing flip flop with I course know. cards. Flip, snip, snap, snip, snap. <laughs> I, am, I I'm clearly not high on Chris Carson because I love Rashad Penny, and we're at the Steelers game, and of course Rashad Penny kills the Steelers and goes on for a long touchdown. Of course it happens, and Chris Carson fumbles twice. I guess only technically one time. They're not counting the second one. They're counting that on Russell Wilson with a bad snap. Whatever. Chris Carson messed up. I was about to use that word. He messed up. Like, be better at the snap. Up. Yeah. Yes, he's on a short leash. But Pete Carroll loves him. So he's going they to... Must, he must also be one of those guys that has the best personality. Oh, for sure. And Rashad Penny must just be the worst. Chris Carson will start the game. He'll get the majority of the workload, just like he always does, as long as he doesn't mess up again. As soon as he fumbles again, he might get that bench for a little bit until the next game when Pete Carroll gives him all the chances again. But... Yeah, he, this love affair does not seem to work in Pete Carroll's benefit, at least for for this year. I, I think that um, Chris Carson has not looked like 2018 Chris Carson to me. He doesn't. And when he's running, he runs hard. The issue is he either gets stopped at the line and loses yards or gets zero yards, or he goes off for 15 to 20 yards. I feel like there's no in-between. He's not a guy this year that's getting three or four yards, and I don't know if that works for a team. Yeah, those 13-yard runs are great, but getting can't count on them. Getting five negative-yard runs in a row before you get the 13, like that's not really not helpful it. either. He's averaging... You know, first game, three yards of carry. Second game, he did get up to four yards, but he had a couple long runs. There's no reason why he was only at 4.0 yards of carry. But again, he's going to get the carries. New Orleans has allowed a lot of rushing yards the first two games. In week one, 180, 180 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. And then week two, 115 rushing yards on the ground and two rushing touchdowns. So I think Chris Carson will have... Plenty of space to run. He'll break out in a couple of those runs. And I think there's touchdowns to be had in this game, especially since it's not going to be a shootout anymore without Drew Brees. Like we may have thought at first it would be a shootout with Wilson versus Drew Brees. But now that they're going against Teddy Bridgewater, I think it'll be much more of a defensive and running game. Yep. So I think Chris Carson has a very nice game to make up for last week. All right. My start of the week, Nick Chubb versus the Los Angeles Rams. Freddie Kitchens came out this week, said they want to get the ball out of Baker's hands earlier. He's taken a lot of hits, um, which you don't want, especially this early in the season for your young quarterback. It's only the second game, and he's just been pounded into the grass. It has not looked pretty. Even when he's able to get the ball out eventually, I feel like he's still taking all these hits. Um, you got to keep him healthy for the season. So you know what the best way to do that and to get that ball out of your quarterback's hands? Hand it off to Nick Chubb, right? Yes, they just lost another lineman. Like that does make me worried a little bit for Baker and for Chubb, but I think they need to start using him more, like around the line of scrimmage. Yeah, they need to start using him in the passing game. I think it's also going to depend on if uh, Dontrell Hilliard comes back. He's been out with the concussion, so um, we did see him get some of that passing work that Duke Johnson left behind. But Nick Chubb's seen four targets in each of the first two games, so. If you really want to get that ball out of your hands, Baker did say he needs to check the ball down more and just go for the short yardage um, on the completion. So that that sounds like the perfect game script for Nick Chubb, especially if Dontrell Hilliard is out. 
should be a game where they can this is either going to be a high scoring game or it's not like I feel like there's absolutely no in between these two teams can come out and ball out on defense but they've also both got really good offenses so I I think it could swing either way either way I think it's a good game script for Nick Chubb and there's opportunity to put some points on the board and if Nick Chubb keeps you know performing at this level he's fine but he's not dominant like he was last year that makes me a lot more nervous than for when Kareem Hunt gets back because Kareem Hunt will be used in the passing game. And now I actually think there are targets to go around. Actually watching this offense, you're like, ooh, they could use some more, you know, playmakers. playmakers. Yeah. Right now it only looks like OBJ's out there, or at least he's that's the only guy that he's using. Jarvis Landry just seems like, you know, any other wide receiver out there. He doesn't look like anything special. I guess he we're missing seven targets a game. In the last two two games, so. But what is he doing with them? He's not doing a ton with them. Plus, you've got David Njoku, who is out for the foreseeable future with a broken wrist. I'm excited for Antonio Callaway to come back. I really am. He's not going to be. Him. He's not going to be easy to play. But he's a guy that I would go look for in Dynasty to go trade for. I really would. I, I love his talent. We're not seeing Jarvis Landry do anything special, and I think Antonio Callaway can do something special with the ball when it's in his hands. I, I like that plan, and you know what? He's, like, so dirt cheap just because he's been out of lineups right now. Michelle, tell me about your tight end scrumptious start of the week. So it's Vance McDonald. Okay, I like that. And I'm kind of picking off his last week performance when he had two touchdowns. He had seven receptions for, like, no yards. Yeah. He, he's going to be one of those guys that he's going to be peppered with targets, I think, with Mason Rudolph. It just might not be for a lot of yards, unless he breaks one off, which he can because he's athletic, but he's going to have to break it off. I don't think he's going to get too many targets in space or deep down the field. Now, when Rudolph came in the game for the second half, he had four targets, Vance McDonald, four receptions, and two touchdowns. It's not like Van, or it's not like Mason Rudolph was looking at anyone else. He was looking at Vance McDonald in the end zone. Yeah. Like Once he got down there, it was... One, two seconds, Vance McDonald. Like, he wasn't looking at anyone else. So I like that, and I think he could be the guy that uh, Mason wants to go to once he gets down to that goal line. Uh, McDonald's had 11 targets through two games. That's the ninth most in the league. Four red zone targets, which is fourth most in the league when it comes to the tight end position. They're going up against San Fran, which isn't the easiest defense so far through two weeks. They look like they're pretty decent, but... Let's not forget Cameron Bray had two touchdowns called back in week one versus San Fran. Remember that? Yeah, not O.J. Howard. I remember not O.J. Howard because I was looking for that. But Cameron Bray caught two balls in the end zone. Both were called back due to some sort of penalty. And then Eifert and Drew Sample last week for Cincinnati, they were targeted a total of eight times. Nothing crazy, but Eifert did get a touchdown. I think McDonald can get a touchdown in this game. And that's really what you're looking for at the tight end position when you're looking to start someone. There's only so many dominant tight ends. It seems like it's going to be kind of like the landscape it was last year. We were hoping the tight end position got a little bit better this season. And maybe it did with the Mark Andrews and the Darren Wallers, you know, Evan Ingram stepping up. But it's still pretty gross. So you're going to need to find someone unless you have one of those dominant people. And I think Vance is a fine play, especially in PPR. I think he gets a lot of targets. Backup t- or backup quarterbacks tend to like their tight ends. Yeah, I like that a lot. I I mean, it was literally the way that they had designed um, those plays for Mason Rudolph. He does do the play action, which is one of his faves. 
so I, I think that opened up the the field for Vance McDonald very well. It worked exactly the way that they wanted to. He was wide open in the end zone. My tight end start of the week, Mr. Greg Olson. Which, again, was my start of the week. But you went in and filled everything out before me. I did. I'm an eager beaver this week. Greg Olson versus Arizona. Arizona, man, they got to get it together. They They can't stop tight ends. They really cannot. So Arizona's given up the six most passing yards in the league with 619. Can you guess what percentage of those came from the tight end position? I can't even make up a guess. No. 39% of their yardage (laughs) given up in the passing game went to the tight ends. They've given up three tight end uh, touchdowns. TJ Hawkinson, his first career game, put up 131 yards and a touchdown. Mark Andrews last week, uh, 112 yards and a touchdown. And then we saw Hayden Hurst get a one-yard touchdown. They are just, like, they can't be beat. No, they can be beat. They can be beat. They're beat a lot. Yeah. They are beaten bloody by the tight end position. And Greg Olson, through two games, has tied for the second most routes run among tight ends. He's Third killing most it. receptions, fourth most yards. Makes me sick to my stomach. I want to see Ian Thomas out there. But, I mean, Greg Olson's doing great, and I feel like I haven't heard a lot about Greg Olson. I feel like people aren't talking about him as much. Uh, and he's been sort of an underrated player this week. But, man, he should eat up this matchup as long as he stays healthy. Are you worried about Kyle Allen at all instead of Cam Newton? No, because like you said, the backup quarterbacks tend to go to the big-bodied tight end. And Greg Olson, he's been a fixture in this offense. I think that the scheme is to get him the ball. Yeah, and last season when Kyle Allen was in the game, Greg Olson wasn't. He was hurt. But Ian Thomas had seven targets, five receptions, 61 yards, and one touchdown in that game. Wow. So clearly Kyle Allen doesn't mind the tight end position. Let's just hope he has that chemistry with Greg Olson. But I really like that play. I think he has a great game. Yeah, tell me your your scrumptious defense. Scrumdiddlyumptious. It is the Buffalo Bills at home, their home opener versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Their defense is good. The Bills' defense is good. And they haven't been at home yet. They've been on the road. And then the first two weeks, they scored 11 points on defense and five points. Not anything crazy, but, but still I think they good. also look better than maybe like the five fantasy points would have shown. I absolutely agree. They just have a good defense at home, too. I just think they'll play better. Louder crowd, easier for defenses to, you know, get pumped up, stop the the offense. Dalton, so far in two games, has been sacked nine times. That's a lot. That's a lot of times. Seahawks versus Cincinnati Bengals in week one. They had eight points, eight fantasy points. Um, Even though they allowed Cincinnati to score 20 points on offense, but they still came away with eight points because... Dalton likes to get sacked. That offensive line he is not good. It. He just loves it. It's his favorite. San Fran last week, seven points, seven fantasy points against Cincy. And I think the Bills defense is better than San Fran. They were I know my Sa- sleeper start defense of the week. Yeah, they were. I know San Fran looks good, but I just think the Bills defense is a little bit better. The Bills defense is dominant at stopping the pass. And that's what Cincinnati is trying to do right now. They're trying to pass, pass, pass. Their run game is not working, like, at all. It's struggling. So I hope it, you know. I hope that last week was indicative more of Joe Mixon's ankle injury. 
I really hope so because I have him in a couple leagues. I need him to step it up. I I don't know if this will be the week, but it could be because the Bills defense, they, they allow rushing yards. They allow running backs to actually move on them. They don't allow... Um, quarterbacks to do anything. We're going to talk that talk about that in a little bit. But I really like the Bills defense this week. I think they're a good start. Okay, I'm sticking with the Cowboys defense. Uh, they are going up against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, we know what the Miami Dolphins are doing. This Hashtag, is too easy. I know it's too easy, but I gotta take it. I gotta take Ooh, my start the- of the week is against the worst team in NFL history. Meow. Uh, anyway, Michelle, hashtag tank for Tua, uh, Miami Dolphins, they are not in this. They are ranking, uh, 32nd in teams, uh, total team yards with 382. That is 191 total yards for the entire team per game. (laughs) That's really bad. That's really bad. They lead the league in interceptions, uh, six in just two games, fewest yards gained per pass attempt. With four, for every time Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen has thrown the ball, they have gained four yards. Think about what Ryan Fitzpatrick did with the Bucks last year. Are the Miami Dolphins that much worse? Like, you yes. would think Fitzpatrick would have some deep, crazy plays. Like, you know you're, you know he's going to throw interceptions, and that's why he got benched last year. But but he, he doesn't have anybody to throw to. It's just a bad I think he's just offense. throwing into Ooh. the like into the stands. Like I don't know what they're throwing to, but twenty six point one percent of their drives are ending in a turnover right now. I like my odds. They're gonna have a great week. Continue to play them until further notice. Yeah, that was like that's what I said about New England last week. Is that they're going to get the turnovers? It's about if they can make them, if they can turn them into pick sixes. Like can I they turn them into six my, points? And they did twice. I used my waiver priority on the Patriots defense, and you laughed at me. In the one week, the one league that we have waivers, you laughed at me. They won me my week with 34 points. I didn't laugh at you for picking them up. I thought it was a great pickup. Just there were so many people on waivers. I didn't know you were, you use your first priority with it. Hey, I don't care. Whatever it takes for it won me you to win. Week. It, it won, won you me week. the week. Yeah. Yep. Um, guys, if you have not yet checked out our Patreon, check out Patreon at patreon.com slash ballblast. Every week you get an extra episode. We answer your questions on the podcast. And then we go matchup by matchup, talk about all of our favorite starts and sits from each and every NFL game every week, um, get access to our Slack chat. We've got a great group going on. Um, Adam Wright, he's always in there with the uh, latest news, and he he breaks the news sometimes like with Ian Rappaport. I don't know where he gets it from. Like today I heard that Mac was in a walking boot, which ended up being, he's carrying a walking boot. But I was like, where did he even see that? Yeah, like I'm on Twitter and I don't find this information. They, they are so on top of it. They have some really, really intriguing discussions over there in our Slack chat. So consider helping support our podcast at patreon.com slash ballblast. Um, and if you're not there, maybe you should check us out on fantasygo.com because during the season we are getting so many questions, Michelle. I can't keep up with all of the start sick questions. There's so many. There are a lot, a lot, a lot. So, you know, you ask us these questions on Twitter. We try to get to them, but at fantasygo.com, it's the only site of its kind that literally allows you to pick an analyst that you love. Me. Props me. 
Probs you. I'll give I'll give it up to you. Um, help let us manage your team. So we literally get remote access to your Yahoo accounts. We see your lineups. We get to move players around, switch them around, make waiver wire ads if you give us the permission. And it looks like Joe Schmo, you, Joe Schmo, are making the moves. But actually, it's the Ball Blast podcast. You don't know how many people I do this for at work. I mean, they don't they don't actually go through Fantasy Go because I'm a nice coworker and I'm like, fine, I'll do it for free. But they, so many people in their leagues just think they're the smartest girls. I work with all girls and they know nothing. Sorry, sorry, yeah. ladies. They know nothing. So I, I help them out and they're beating all the boys and they look brilliant. And it's just a fun time. So it if is. you need some help over there and you want to look you know, extra smart in, in case you're, you're struggling a little bit. And if you don't get the Michelle coworker discount, <laughs> head over to fantasygo.com, search Kate M or Michelle M, get the Ball Blast Girls exclusive. Let us help you manage your teams in 2019. If you got too many leagues, you're going on vacation, hit us up over at fantasygo.com. Let's get in to our sleepers. I also like to live dangerously. I am very, very sneaky, sir. Michelle, give me your sleeper of the week. It's Cortland Sutton. You're going to play that risky little game? I am. I, I think what happens is that players play against the Chicago Bears defense. Players going to play. And then all of a sudden, no one cares about them anymore. It's like we didn't expect it. Like we all expected Cortland Sutton to have a rough game against the Chicago Bears. We, we all said sit him. It's a hard defense. We all said, sit Aaron Jones week one. It's a hard defense. And then after that, people were like, oh, Aaron Jones just doesn't have it. And then he came back week two and killed it. Let's not make that same mistake with Cortland Sutton. Let's not forget that week one, he had a great game. He had seven receptions for 120 yards. In week two, he still had seven targets. It's just he was up against a hard defense. So he only caught four of those balls for 40 yards. You can't really blame him. He was going up against the hardest defense in the league. I like to still see that he was getting targeted. Joe Flacco clearly likes him. Has, he has 15 targets throughout two games. He's on the field all the time. 55 snaps out of 62 snaps. Uh, week two, the same amount as Emmanuel Sanders. Yes, Emmanuel Sanders is doing better. And yes, if you had to choose between the two, you're choosing Sanders. But if you have Sutton on your team, I'm very happy to start him. He's clearly the second target on the team for Flacco. Flacco likes him. Green Bay's not the easiest matchup in the world, but not close to what the Chicago Bears are. I'm fine starting Cortland Sutton. I think he can have another good game like he did week one. All right, Michelle, I had one guy lined up for this, okay? I had one guy lined up, but I'm going to pivot right now based on, on one of your starts of the week. My sleeper was going to be Randall Cobb, and I was a little bit iffy about it because, like, I just talked about Amari Cooper. Come on. You know, but like Michael Gallup's out. The opportunity should be there. He's gotten the targets in the the first two weeks. I like Randall Cobb this week. And guess what? He cleared a lot of waivers. So I picked him up for free after waivers cleared. I'm going to pivot to Rashad Penny. Oh, all right. Yeah. I, I see your Chris Carson and I raise you one Rashad Penny. You think he's going to get the carries? I do. I, I think we've already seen a, a, a sort What of, have I done to my wife? I've turned her into a serious uh, Rashad Penny lover. Well, who would have thought that Chris Carson versus Rashad Penny in our household, right? Who would have ever thought that it would be 
Michelle. I hope you're right. I know you do. So, I mean, we said that he would have a good game against our Steelers just despite us, and he did. Um, he actually saw a pretty similar workload to uh, Chris Carson. He saw 10 carries to Carson's 15, and to be honest, he looked a little better with them. Do you know who they trusted at the end of the game to run out the clock? Rashad Penny. On that last drive with five minutes to go, they handed it off to Penny three different times compared to Carson's one time. Probably because, you know, they didn't trust Carson not to fumble the ball. Yeah, that was a problem. So with Teddy Bridgewater, if they're able to hold him, they're able to hold that offense in Seattle, and they're at the end of the game and they just need to run out the clock, maybe they put their trust in Penny a little bit more than Carson. Even though Carson is my start of the week, I still think he does great. But I'm just trying to give the penny side. Yeah. I I mean, we saw a increase in carries, right? We saw an increase in snaps. Week one, he saw 14 snaps. In week two, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, saw 26 snaps, saw 10 more snaps. That's that's significant, right? I, I just think that, you know, we did see Carson sit out a few more snaps after he fumbled the ball twice. He fumbled in week one. I think that... If anything, this just provides the Seahawks a little bit more incentive to try and see what they have in their their first round running back. And this is a decent matchup for. Them. And real quick, who's your deep sleeper? My deep sleeper is James Washington, baby. Hey, he's probably yours. he's probably not even that much of a deep sleeper anymore. Everyone is on this train. You got Mason Rudolph in and his best buddy, James Washington, should be seeing a lot more time because Moncrief has played himself to the bench, hopefully. Hopefully. He Let's shouldn't have, not. I, I have some feedback from Moncrief. The next time you want a starting position on a professional football team, don't lube your gloves before the game. Yeah, that just seems really stupid. I know. Like, what was he thinking? I know your gloves probably feel dry, but they don't need lotion. No. I promise. No more lotion in the ocean. Boy. <laughs> but James Washington should, should get way more playing time now that Moncrief will be sitting his little booty on the bench. Now, if you don't know, even though that's all anyone has talked about this week, is that Mason Rudolph and James Washington played together for the full four years at Oklahoma State, and they had a real strong connection. They connected with 4,472 receiving yards. Oh, mama. Woo! That's what James Washington had in his four years at Oklahoma State with Mason Rudolph. And you know what's even more beautiful? After starting his sophomore year, 10 receiving touchdowns. Junior year, 10 receiving touchdowns. Senior year, 13 receiving touchdowns. And the best part is that Mason Rudolph and him, like, you see the connection and you see the trust there with Mason Rudolph. Like, he's going to be starting his first regular season NFL game as Big Ben's replacement, he's probably going to be a little nervous. What do you do when you're nervous? You go back to the guys that you trust. He trusts James Washington. He just chucks the ball up in the air. And it I don't even know if it's on the direct tra- trajectory to James Washington, but it somehow finds its way into his big long arms. He has extremely long arms, like insanely long arms, James Washington does. And the best part, what you just said, is you only need one big play to, like, bring home a game for you. He averaged 20 yards a catch, 19 yards a catch, 20 yards a catch That's not bad. in college with Mason Rudolph. I'm excited to see this connection. I hope it actually, you know, shines. I hope we're not just making this up in our head. We've seen it shine in the preseason. Let's now see it shine in the regular season. 
I like that. My deep, deep sleeper. Deep, deep sleeper. And I'm starting. This is my desperation play. Darwin Thompson. I know we talked about him before. He's going up against the Ravens. But interestingly enough, the Ravens have actually given up more receiving yards to running backs than they have rushing yards. What does Darwin Thompson do? He can catch the ball. I expect this with a a banged up running back group to be a mostly passing game at home in Kansas City. Darwin Thompson can be scripted into that role. I think that it's better suited for them to throw the ball in this matchup against the Ravens. They've allowed more through the air than they have on the ground. Darwin Thompson, if you need somebody in a PPR league to throw in that that running back slot, if you're you know being riddled with injuries right now or um, God forbid you were playing CJ Anderson <laughs> and he was just cut. Uh, I certainly pity you, but he's, you know, he could be an upside play. All right. All right. I think it's time to get negative here. Grumpy. We've been too kind, too nice. We're negative, you know, let's yeah. get negative. <laughs> God, I sound so annoying. All right. Let's get into our phase of the week. I told Dwight that there is honor in losing, which, as we all know, is completely ridiculous. Who's got you on red alert this week, Michelle? So my first peeps here are, it's a combo, Tyler Boyd and John Ross. Cheater. The wide receivers for the Bengals. Now, I talked about this earlier with the Bengals, with the Bills defense being so good against the passing game, so I won't go too in-depth even though I am about to get a little in-depth. So maybe I lied here. But going back to last season, after week four, that's when the Bills' pass defense really seemed to click, just become absolutely dominant. There's 12 games after week four. Ten of those 12 games, they allowed less than 200 passing yards in 10 of those 12 games, which is pretty insane. So they, like under 200 passing yards, that's really good for a defense to hold a quarterback to. Tredavious White, baby. Yeah, I know. He's so good. One of the two games that they allowed more than 200 yards, it was 208 yards. So it was almost it's 11. barely counting. Exactly. So it was almost 11 of those 12 games they allowed under 200 yards. And then the only quarterback that they allowed to you know go off on them was Tom Brady. 324 yards. That's Tom Brady. And in that second game, they brought back Tom Brady to play against only 126 passing yards for Tom Brady. Wow. Yeah. Insane. Uh, 10 of those 12 games, they allowed one or less receiving touchdowns. That's scary. They're just really good against the pass. So no, I don't want to start Tyler Boyd. I don't want to start John Ross. I don't want to start Andy Dalton. We even this year going into this year, I think they they kept up what they created last year. Sam Darnold only 175 yards, one touchdown. Manning didn't complete a pass until the second quarter. Yikes! Now he ended up having a fine you know yardage game, 250 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, but all of those receptions were little dink and dunks that just added up to a, to 250 yards. Shocker, Manning. Yeah, they Dinks were down and dunks. They were down 21 to seven. Just garbage time. No receiver had more than 51 yards for the Giants last week. I'm just not excited about Boyd or John Ross. You're probably still going to start Boyd at least, and that's okay. He can have a fine game. I just don't think he has the potential, you know, that ceiling to go off. John Ross, I just really don't want to start. Okay. Yeah, I don't either. 
Uh, I mean, he had his day saved by another garbage down touchdown. Garbage down. Garbage down touchdown. I think that's like the new the new word for it, right? I kind of like it. Garbage down touchdown. All right, my fate of the week is Alvin Kamara versus the Seattle Seahawks. I have to admit, I'm tilting a little bit. Without Drew Brees, I'm a little bit worried. Alvin Kamara, man, he's... You're not sitting Alvin Kamara. I'm not sitting Alvin Kamara. I'm tempering expectations. Okay. Seattle Seahawks are allowing just 3.75 yards per carry. They've faced James Conner, Joe Mixon. I know that both of these guys look like they've gotten off to a rough start. Maybe the Seattle Seahawks defense is just good. Like, they have a good front seven. I do worry about his pass catching with Teddy Bridgewater. Saw just three targets in week two. That provides him a lot of the upside that he has, especially in PPR leagues. I think that he'll do okay on the ground, but I just worry about the upside that he will see in this game. I think it might have better luck exploiting them through the air. He will need the targets. He He needs needs the the targets. targets. And we'll have to see if Teddy Bridgewater will target him. Or Taysom Hill. I know there there were reports today that um, Coach Sean Payton didn't even necessarily commit to Teddy Bridgewater as the starter. Who's the other guy there? Taysom Hill. I think Taysom Hill gives them way more upside. So I would, if I was a Saints fan, I would want to go with Taysom Hill. Well, and I think they just, they find more creative ways to use him, which if you're going with Taysom Hill, he's an athletic guy. He might be running the ball. He might steal some of those carries from Alvin Kamara, or he could open up the run game, but I think he's a a guy that I'm just tempering expectations for headed into week three. Michelle, tell me another fade of yours for week three. This one hurts. I absolutely love him. It's Carrion Johnson. And Man, it's, you're down on all your guys this week. Carrion Johnson. They just have hard Penny. they have hard matchups. Carrion Johnson against Philly. I talked about that earlier. Their pass defense is so, so, so bad, but their run defense is really great. They held Philly to, no, sorry, they held Washington Redskins to 28 rushing yards. They held Atlanta to 56 rushing yards. Ito had the most at 32. Carrion has to be involved in the passing game to be productive against the Eagles. And just this far through two weeks, he hasn't been targeted. Only five targets through two weeks. That's not at all what we were hoping for with Carrion Johnson when Theo Riddick was cut. He's just not being used in the passing game, and he has to be to be productive against defenses that are good against the run. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I need to see him be used more before I trust him. With Anderson gone, yes, we're very excited that he should be the only guy in that backfield that's at least used the most. But I just don't think this is the game, the right matchup for him to go off. So I'm fading him, and I'm trying not to play him where I can. Most most you know most rosters are going to have to start him. You drafted him early, but if you have other options that are that are good, they have good matchups. I'm willing to sit him this week, and then I'm fine. I'm excited for him for you know the upcoming weeks. Just this is a really bad matchup. Yeah, I like that. Um, this week I am fading Philip Lindsay. So we talked about him all off season, said he was very hyper efficient last year, averaged 5.4 yards per carry on the ground. Um, saw 47 targets on the season. He did. He, it was electric. Every time he touched the ball in 2018, it, uh, shot down the entire sideline and into the end zone. This year, he's not looking like the same Philip Lindsay so far. 
Uh, he is seen 11 carries, 13 carries. That's kind of what you saw last year. He's getting a steady target share, but he's just not doing quite as much with it, averaging um, just around like 3.3 yards per carry. Don't love that. Uh, yards per reception, 6.6. He's got a total of 53 receiving yards in the two games. I just don't see the same electric Philip Lindsay here. And the Green Bay defense has actually been pretty pretty dominant from what we've seen so far, and it's not like they've seen the the best of matchups. I know that um, Dalvin Cook just went off against them last week, but we also have to remember that, like, Dalvin Cook, I think he's... Uh, Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook. Yeah, like he... I, he if, also sees the, the snap share. Right? If I wanted to say we, so far through two weeks, we hit on anything, I do feel like it was this backfield. We said it was going to be nearly impossible for Philip Lindsay to keep up that efficiency. This is what he was receiving last year. 11 rushing attempts, 13 rushing attempts. Like, that's not low. That's what he was getting last year. He was just doing incredible things with it. Now he's not. And he's getting the same workload. Royce Freeman's getting some more snaps. And that's what we said. Like Royce Freeman will eat into his workload a little bit more. We're not. I, we're not seeing any Booker. No, 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 no. Which we're, is nice. <laughs> but literally, they they've actually been true to their word so far. So uh, week one, I think we saw a fifty-two to forty-eight snap count percentage or snap count percentage for Lindsey and Freeman. And then last week we saw fifty-two percent of snaps for Freeman, forty-eight percent of snaps for Lindsey. So literally, they're just splitting. Right down the middle, they told us all off season we want to we want to do a split. We want to do a split. They're doing a split. It's going to be hard to to play either one and trust it. Yeah, either one can get you points, but can they go off? Can Philip Lindsay go off like he did last season? I don't think so. And yeah, like you said, this matchup's not great. Definitely a good fade by you. Thank you. Um, tell me about a game you're most excited to watch. There's I not know a lot. there's none. <laughs> so we just you went have to through come it. up with something. Yeah, we just went through it, and I think we both picked the only two good games of the week. But Rams at Cleveland Sunday Night Football. When's the last time we got to watch Cleveland on Sunday Night Football? I I don't know. We, I guess we just got to watch them on Monday night, but Sunday night seems more special and yeah. more exciting. Are the Browns legit? That's what we're going to learn this week. Yes, they can beat up on a Jets team without a Sam Darnold. They just got their booties kicked week one against the Titans. So this game, three weeks in, is going to show us, can the Browns actually compete? Can they play against contenders? The Rams were just in the Super Bowl last year. If they can compete against them, then maybe they're legit. But I need to see them do it in this game. I'm excited. I'm excited it's in Cleveland. I think that gives them somewhat of a chance. Yeah. It should be a good game. And you, you're seeing a West Coast team travel out. Travel out east, sometimes the travel can wear down on, on teams from the West Coast. It's not always the easiest thing. But Rams, they have a good defense. They've got a great special team. And so They've does Cleveland. Great, yeah. It could be a very defensive game. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, we've seen really dominant play from Miles Garrett. I do worry about the number of um, – Yeah, he needs to watch himself. He no needs to more, watch himself. No more Ruffing penalties. Yeah. He's He's been – almost too suffocating. So they've got to watch themselves because if they don't have Miles Garrett, I think that totally flips the script. But, I mean, man, he's shown the ability to get to the line. I'm excited to see what they can do, see if they can shut down Jared Goff. He hasn't traveled particularly well. I'm nervous to play Jared Goff in this game. Yeah, I, I'm not not starting him in any leagues this week. 
I'm excited to see Ravens at Kansas City, a weird This matchup. is probably the best game of the week. Yeah, I didn't think I'd be excited for this game headed into the season, but after seeing what the Ravens have done, even against like minimal defensive teams, they've looked like a efficient offense. We've seen Lamar Jackson ball out on the ground. We saw in week one he dominated the passing game. But again, these have been soft defenses. Um, it's Kansas not like City, Kansas City is a hard defense. No, they're not a hard defense, but I think they are better than what they've faced in the first two weeks. So I'm I'm intrigued to see, I think, as we get a little bit deeper into the Ravens' schedule, we'll see are they legit, are they the real deal. Um, can they keep up with Patrick Mahomes? It was a close game last year. Yeah. and uh, I, The Ravens honestly should have won that game. They should have. Patrick Mahomes threw a crazy no-look pass on fourth down <laughs> and then up winning – if the Ravens beat Kansas City in Kansas City, I think we pretty much can just say they're going to win the AFC North. I I would agree with that. But I also think that, you know, from a Kansas City Andy Reid coaching standpoint, when you look at how close that game was last season. Was that in Baltimore or in Kansas City? I believe it was in Baltimore. I believe so, too. I'm looking it up right now. It was in Kansas City. Oh, wow. So even more so, they come into your house. They, they look as dominant as they did. I, I think it might be a nice, interesting, not a revenge game per se, but, uh, you know, for as dominant as they were on offense last year, I, I think they're going to want to prove themselves even more so this year. It'll be a very interesting game to watch. I will clearly be rooting for the Chiefs. I think we'll learn a lot in this game. I want to see, too, from the Kansas City side of the ball, what do they do if both of their running backs are injured, do they just pass the ball 55 times, maybe, because their quarterback can handle it? Um, who gets the target share? We saw Demarcus Robinson go off this week. We saw Sammy Watkins week one. I'm wondering. De'Anthony Thomas, baby. It's his turn. <laughs> it's his turn. McCole Hardman, um, you know, he had a, a solid game. So I think it goes back to Sammy this week, but who knows? I'm I'm all on the Sammy train. I'm playing him. You know, we just saw Patrick Mahomes kill the Jaguars defense and we thought maybe they got soft again, but then the Jaguars just held Deshaun Watson like it was nothing. I just think Patrick Mahomes, there is no defense that you have to be worried about Patrick Mahomes against. Yeah, he's he's matchup proof. Um, guys, again, if you haven't checked out our Ball Blast Patreon, go check that at patreon.com slash ballblast. Check out all the other podcasts on the Ross Tucker Podcast Network at rostucker.com. Follow us on Twitter at FFBallBlast for Kate. And you can follow Michelle at BallBlast, um, BallBlast, E-M. E-M. Um, and guys, have a great week three. Send us those start sick questions. Go Pittsburgh. Please win a game. Come on, Mason. Come on, Mason. Yeah. Hey, good luck to all the uh, all the backup quarterbacks starting. What if this they week. all win this week? Kyle Allen, Teddy Bridgewater, or Taysom Hill. If they, if Mason all Rudolph. of the backup quarterbacks win this week, we will chug a beer on our live stream. We just want to chug a beer whenever we possibly can. Yeah. <laughs> we maybe take a shot because we don't enjoy that as much. Yeah, you can watch us choke down some tequila. Okay. All right. Good luck, guys. See you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.